John. Hey, John. Hey. What, Eric? Hey. Are, can we start the podcast? What? Are you crazy? Ever since those aliens have been coming and killing anything that makes a loud noise, we haven't been able to podcast. I, I know, but we gotta get it out there. Do you think, do you think oh. it's safe? Okay, but we've got to be quiet. Okay. Oh no, ah! they're coming! Welcome to the Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. And this podcast will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready? And begin. School's out. Yes, it is our last day of school. Um, and we have some podcasting to do, <laughs> so we're still working our way through the ABCs of terror. It's going to continue through the summer, mm-hmm. um, but uh, this week we have some good ones. Um, we're on Q and R, and so let's begin with Q. Which is for A Quiet Place. Okay, so A Quiet Place was released in 2018. Directed by John Krasinski, written by Brian Woods, Scott Beck, and John Krasinski. Starring John Krasinski as Lee, Emily Blunt as Evelyn, Millicent Simmons as Reagan, and Noah Jupe as Marcus. Yep, so let's start with production. Uh, The film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. So production, it's kind of uh, a lot of ways a one-man show. Yeah, yeah. Um, This is Krasinski's directorial debut. Um, And I think... A little little nudge from Michael Bay. I saw that in the credits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think it's a solid debut effort. Um, Heck yeah. I think he has a really strong vision for... For the film, for the story, um, and and I think it works well. Um, so I I applaud Mr. Krasinski for creating what I mean. It's it's a hit. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these Blumhouse movies, you know, they're they're kind of famous for being made on a pretty small budget, but then uh, making a huge amount of money mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. which I think is. Part of why I would say there is a sort of resurgence in horror mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. um, with movies like this entering the mainstream. So I think it's great. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's a, a well-made movie. Um, when I was trying to describe this to my wife afterwards, I said, this is the kind of idea for a horror movie that you're you're shocked that no one's thought of it before. Yeah. Because it just has such a, a great and simple concept 
And I, that's what makes it so effective. It's simple in concept and it's kept small. Yeah. Like we don't have to know necessarily how the aliens got there. Mm-hmm. It's in the aftermath afterwards. And I think that's the power of the writing mm-hmm. is it starts, you know, shortly after the invasion. Uh-huh. Right. But en- enough time has passed where they've, you know, learned how to live mm-hmm. um, with these aliens. And, you know, I think it could have gone very wrong the other way if it tried to explain all of that and mm-hmm. give us a recap it's just like we kind of learn about the environment um through the characters and it's yeah. a character you know driven movie um i think that they're very strong and i think that's why it's effective yeah i think it's a great example of show don't tell mm-hmm. because the little bits um that we do get of the larger world we pretty much see through headlines mm-hmm. you know um of of newspaper clippings um and so on so uh there a lot's left to the imagination now i will say that like it does start falling apart when you start thinking about it for too long <laughs> um which which part uh, I, i'm on i'm on board with you there yeah kind of all of it right <laughs> <laughs> i mean now it's it's been probably a month since I've seen the movie. And so I, you know, my memory of it is, is not going to be as good as yours, but I remember having problems with the way that just the, the way that the aliens are like, they have these huge eardrums, right? So they can hear everything. Um, this family is the first one to learn that like high frequency is like their weakness, like feedback. Yeah. yeah. Like that seems like a pretty obvious Achilles heel that would drive back all the I aliens. mean, it happens happens in Mars Attacks. It's yeah. the yodeling guy that makes their heads explode. You know, so yeah. it's like the same principle. So it But maybe they're just too fast. Maybe I but, guess, but at least they. I, you're you're absolutely right, and I had that problem too. Like, so this guy tinkering with hearing aids in a barn is the one who stumbles on the frequency thing, mm-hmm. and it's not even him; it's more his daughter. Yeah, I, I know I have trouble with that too because they were, you know, quick enough and to to figure out how to avoid the sound with the things like the sand and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So why is it? Has it not been discovered? Or maybe it has been in other parts, but they haven't been able to get to those other parts. Maybe they're just in like a DMZ, you know? Perhaps. Um, I I guess, I I think you kind of have to forgive the movie for for those plot holes because it's not trying to tell that story. Right. It's trying to tell this small personal story. Yes. and so you have to, in a way, ignore kind of some of the larger implications. Yeah. And I think where there are gaps in the writing, I think the acting makes up for it. The kids are wonderful yeah. in this movie. Great child actors. Um, and so much of it is done without dialogue, where it's just through mm-hmm. like facial expression and emoting and movement mm-hmm. that... Um, I thought that was killer. That's what kept me hooked. Yeah, the throughout. way that suspense is created from scene to scene with silence is is just so effective because when there's a sound, even if it's 
just something dropping and it's not terribly loud it's still shocking mm -hmm. because it's the movie's been quiet for 10 minutes yeah, the, the, the movie is one giant jump scare mm -hmm. <laughs> one giant one and i don't mean that in a bad way um but no, i found it myself justifies yeah it. i found myself i i got up just a little bit in the beginning i got up and uh went and got a drink refill and when I caught myself when I went up to the counter. I was kind of afraid to speak. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, you're so in the world." Cause, yeah, because yeah, because the the theater's so silent and you mm -hmm. hear everything everybody's doing. So don't get a giant bucket of popcorn or yeah. jump on ice, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in this movie. It's a good point. Um, it's one giant gi jump scare, but like I said, in a good way. It doesn't feel uh, cheesy. In uh, mm -hmm. the in the same, I could see on the same token, I could see where people might call it one big gimmick. Is it? Oh, it's silent. But I think that the writing goes through that. I don't think it's yeah. more of the same. The story progresses in an interesting way. You have lots of time that passes, which I thought was good. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I guess we can spoil it here. But the beginning scene where they lose their son mm -hmm. the first time, it gives some real depth to the characters. Yeah. Um, my only thing is, is that I, I think this is definitely a horror movie. I wouldn't call it a sci-fi movie because it doesn't go into the science right. deeply about like necessarily about like what the their aliens. origins are what they're yeah. made of why can they so i mm -hmm. i could see where somebody might kind of hate the monster in this um yeah. but i kind of just personally i pushed that to the side i was like well it's just this thing i'm more interested in the family surviving these circumstances mm -hmm. than what the actual logistics of yeah. the monster although i will say that i think it's a failing of the movie to miss to, to not have a really crucial scene and that scene is when lee and evelyn have to talk about whether or not they're going to have this baby like oh it yeah. just jumps ahead to where pregnant. she's pregnant yeah and it's a given that they're going to keep it and i think that mm. so much like, like, just so much drama is lost by not having a serious discussion about what to do. Mm. I mean, because it is very selfish that they're choosing to have a child because they're putting danger, yeah. everyone else at risk. And they've already had that loss. Like, they should have already learned that lesson that yeah. it's so difficult to keep the child safe. Yeah, and in a world where, like, I mean, I know I wouldn't last. I drop things all the time. But in a world <laughs> where, like, you just trip over something and you're mm. dead, like, how in the world are you going to raise a child in this environment? Like, they have, you know, this little box that they made, which, like, when they put the kid in it and close it, I mean, it's, like... It's terrifying. It's dark. Yeah, it's, it's scary. Um so I, I understand why it's in there. Um, I also think that the baby, you know, is conveniently quiet in some places and then, you know, is loud when it needs to be loud for the purposes of yeah. the movie. Like, I think some of those, it just, it, you, you see the, you see the plot working um, yeah. too much. But I, I kind of forgive the movie for that because... Um, so much of the movie is, I, I, I mean, it's just so suspenseful. Um, even when I see these, the, the, the kind of seams of the story, um, I'm, I'm still 
in suspense of what yeah. what's happening in the moment. And see that that uh, the the like the missing scene that you're describing, I I'm I'm okay with it not being in there. I'm okay with it just getting behind the family and them just being like, "Well, we're going to do it." And so just watch and see how they're going to do it, not necessarily know the why. I think I think it's a good question to ask, but like me personally watching it, I wasn't too caught up in it. Yeah. I was just like, well, they're going to do it. It's real dumb, but <laughs> they're going for it. Yeah, I think it could have been a really great character moment. Sure. Um, and the other question I had about it, too, uh, in terms of production, is that is it timeless? I wonder if it is going to stand the test of time. I wonder. I think part of it has to do with, like, how how much is this movie going to influence other movies? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they keep uh, the way that the, the setting and, um, you know, the, the tools and technology that they're using in the movie, I think it could stand the test. I don't know if the monster is going to though. Like my problem is more with the monster. Yeah. But that's like a, the look of the monster. The look of the monster and yeah. Okay. Because I think that idea of society falling apart and us kind of becoming isolated again, I think that's going to feel more and more relevant as <laughs> um True. as climate change becomes, you know, a larger part of our daily life. And so I feel like that sort of apocalypse apocalyptic scenario will feel um, more relevant, but I I, I can see what you're saying. I also think that, you know, thankfully they avoid showing the monsters too much. They are a little, I don't know, generic CGI monsters. They look like eyeless venom. Yeah. There's like nothing really remarkable about, the way that they're designed. No, I mean, there's a. So when I saw it, there was like a like making of a oh, featurette uh-huh. at the end of it. Okay. It was talking about that the design was inspired. It, they wanted it to to look like bat like in some way, like in mm. the way that it's like front that makes legs sense. are and stuff like that. And and I get it that I just wonder about for like the timelessness if that's going to affect it. I will say so when they you know when they like light sort of the beacon. On top of the, uh-huh. uh, what is that, the silo? Yeah. Um, I, I am really interested in seeing what those other families, what yeah. their experience were. I think there's like room for stories there, too. It could be kind of cool. Yeah. But I, I wonder if that could play that out. This doesn't become a franchise. Right. I think it will. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like a Cloverfield. Yeah. It just doesn't need to be. Um, <laughs> and that that's what I'm saying. Like, I if it becomes so present you know then i don't know if yeah that that would make me question whether or not it's going to hold up but i would say for now um because the story is so simple i think anyone can get it right away um i i i would say that it's timeless and I would give it a point for production. Yeah, I want to give it a point too. I think we're being like hypercritical <laughs> of it, but at the end of the day, it was fun. It was a it fun is. movie to watch. It is. Yeah. Um, so monster quality. 
The film's monsters are frightening and clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth. Um, so let's start with the like the alien itself, but I think there are other monsters at large um, that are yeah. far greater than that CGI bat thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it again, I think it's kind of a credit to filmmakers that you don't see too much of the monsters until mm-hmm. the end. Because um, typically, you know, once you see the monster, then it stops being as scary. Um, and I think that's true here. Um, but I mean, the idea of having to be quiet and, um, knowing that as soon as you mess up, like you're gone, Mm -hmm. like that's scary. Yeah. I think, and and like I said, it's, it's so simple that I would say it is effective too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, fearing your every move and, you know, every step and, and everything that you know about the world is just completely gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, you know, it, it truly has depth in this movie for the monster. I, I think like you were saying before, isolation is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and that's why they stick together as a family is because of that fear of isolation. Like they are at their most afraid when all, when they're all split up sort of at the yeah. end there, those are the scariest moments in the movie is when they're each of them uh, is alone. Yeah. Just think about that awesome scene where woman's giving birth in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, I, one of my favorite Apparently scenes. Apparently that was one take. Really? Yeah. One of my favorite scenes is right after when he goes up and he sees the bloody bathtub mm-hmm. and you like know, he thinks that, <laughs> oh, she's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, because you do have that, like, the, the fear of, of losing mm-hmm. your loved one, um, not being able to, you know, keep them safe, to mm-hmm. protect them. I think that's a very real fear in the movie. I also like how, you know, we only really have one scene with, like, people outside the family. And it's that crazy guy, right? Oh, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because it just, you know, um, John Krasinski's character, you know, he just, he's so, like, angry at this guy, like, stop talking like don't shoot and mm-hmm. um you know his life is pretty much in the hands of this crazy stranger and to be that vulnerable mm-hmm. um is is really scary yeah and i think i think that's why these characters are very effective is because those vulnerabilities come out for each of them and they're mm-hmm. all slightly different yeah um so i'm inclined to give it a point for monster quality i am too um yeah, I think this is the kind of monster that, you know, you you can just, it has an immediate hook to it, you know, that I think is recognizable to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just say, you know, they have heightened hearing, so if you make a sound, you're dead. I think anyone can kind of understand that fear. It could be... um 
you know, a universal fear of having to stay hidden, to remain quiet, Mm -hmm. the fear of being discovered. Yeah, and I think that, and that's something I described the movie in that way uh, to somebody and said, it's like if you took any of those horror movie uh, moments where the either the the final girl or the protagonist is hiding from the killer and they're like in the closet or under the stairs or whatever mm-hmm. and they can't make a sound because the killer's going to hear, hear them the entire movie is that yeah <laughs> it's the entire movie is that moment mm-hmm. and i i dug it yeah i liked it um again the their weakness was a little too convenient but mm-hmm. i'm still going to give it a point yeah, because here's the thing. Well, you can talk about the scare factor. Uh, the film has clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. And I think, like you said, I think finding out what their weakness is is pretty convenient. But the ending is not very convenient because they still have to fight them. That's you know what true. I mean? It's not like like it's not like saying the frequency just wipes them out. It just sort of disarms them. Yeah. So that they can attack them, and so they still have to fight. Like, what's going to happen when she runs out of bullets? Yeah. No, that's a good you know? point. So there's still mm-hmm. still struggle, still fear there. And like we were saying before, I, I was in suspense throughout the whole movie. I, I this is a really good example of where it's it doesn't stop from beginning to end. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered that <laughs> already. Yeah, it's it's suspenseful throughout. Um, I'm going to give it a point. Yeah, me too. I liked it. I think it's a great summer movie. And... The uninitiated you could take anybody to this movie i think it's a great movie for the uninitiated especially because they won't be seeing so many or they won't be recognizing so many of those cliches yeah you know um and so i think it's it's the perfect kind of movie for the uninitiated cool so it's in it's in the canon okay so um our next movie r is, is for rabid this is the david cronenberg movie um, his second, um, that was published or released in 1977, written by and directed by David Cronenberg, starring Marilyn Chambers as Rose, Frank Moore as Hart Reed, Joe Silver as Murray Cipher, and Susan Roman as Mindy. All production. Right. Let's start with production. It's Cronenberg. I know. It's so. Uh, it's an automatic say, point. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. But let's let's go through it. So I mean, the production quality of this movie is is fantastic, in my opinion. I love I love the opening scene with the motorcycle. Yeah, everything about it. Um, you know, all the way through the crash part. I thought and that the was way it great. explodes. Yes, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I was on board. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you get a real like sense of those characters in that in those like first few minutes mm-hmm. of the shot. Yeah. Um. And then we go to this crazy, wacky hospital. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I think door. is like it's it's just so Cronenberg. Like when you oh, yeah. when you rec- start recognizing his style, you know it's it's this um, hospital for um, plastic surgery patients, and so when they take in you know this accident victim, they don't have the means to treat her, and so they have to use what's available and so they try this you know new method which causes her to yeah become a sex vampire (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to put it that's Um, a good way it's a bizarre movie 
It really is. It um, is. It felt like, I mean, it was just a continuation. And I know other people, I'm not the first to say this, is it does feel like some part, it's like a continuation of Shivers. Yeah, I think it's meant to be a companion piece to that. Yeah, um, companion. That's good. You know, it, it seems like it's, it's the same essential idea of this kind of um, virus that causes people to lose their inhibitions and become animalistic um and it it spreads and shivers it's throughout this Mm -hmm. building um in rabbit it's throughout a whole city Mm -hmm. um and so the scale is bigger but it it still really kind of follows that that story yeah and and what's interesting about that i feel like it is cronenberg's vampire movie Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like oh, there yeah. are so many like vampire tropes in in there with uh, her feeling cold, and then you know somehow we'll say sucking blood, not necessarily drinking blood, mm-hmm. but then feeling warm again, and the predatory aspect of her, yeah. how her personality changes in an instant, and she truly is a predator, uh, not by her choosing, and she's somehow conflicted with it, right? Yeah. Existentially, like a, it, it's it read to me like a classic vampire story in that way. Absolutely. But then you have the added like science, like foaming at the mouth stuff of Cronenberg uh-huh. that that I think makes it really fun in terms of the writing and direction. So I'm I'm inclined to give it a point. Yeah, um, you get great kind of breakout scenes like the one on the subway. That is, we could talk about the scare fact. That is the scariest scene for me. Yeah. But I also don't like crowds in tight places, so it's <laughs> probably why. But yeah, something breaking out like that, yeah. <clears throat> but I, I agree that it's it's effective. Um, I actually um, kind of flash back to Under the Skin in a certain scene where um, Marilyn Chambers is wearing a fur coat walking down a street yes. in predator mode. Yep. I'm like, man, that's just like Scarlett Johansson's character. A lot so. of it. it the, uh, the hot tub scene reminded me of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's stalking the, the woman in there. I was like, just that face to face interaction. It reminded me a lot of that. Under yeah. The and you, it's, I, I think Marilyn Chambers does a great job in the movie. Um, she was, Kind of notoriously um, uh, like stunt casted in this movie because she was an adult film star um, and she's you know casted in this government funded uh, exploitation mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know there are definitely moments where you're not sure if like and, and I think it, it's it, it takes like a really solid actor to be able to do this but like you're not sure if um you know she's going to be like violent towards her victim Mm -hmm. or sexual or both like Mm -hmm. it's just like a vampire um and so it's I, i think she does a great job of kind of walking that line and and feeling alien at times Mm -hmm. and then feeling sympathetic at other times um yeah, I, I think it's solid. I mean, Cronenberg's one of my favorite directors. I think this is one of his kind of lesser known movies, but oh yeah, I'm still giving this a point. Yeah. Uh, monster quality. So thinking about her, I, I I like what you said, like she doesn't know if she's going to be sexual or animalistic. 
um, predatory, mm-hmm. and she is internally conflicted with that. What do you What do you think about the? We'll call it the armpit fang. That phallic. Yeah. I mean, uh, it it's like an armpit penis, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it extends out and then, um, you know, pierces the victim and sucks their blood. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so bizarre. Yeah. Right. I what I thought was interesting about it after after thinking about it is that it requires for her to use it. It requires an embrace. Yeah. Which is a again a fun play on all those vampire motifs that's throughout the movie. Yeah, it is, but it's it's different. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, it's different. Yeah, when you have the um scene where she's in bed and the and then the doctor comes you know at first she's you know trying to seduce him and then she wraps her arms around him and that's that's where you see blood coming down but you haven't seen her uh vampire organ armpit organ and so um you're not quite sure like what is happening <laughs> um and so i think the the way that it's it's just so bizarre, it just adds to Cronenberg's whole, you know, body horror yeah. aesthetic. Like it's gross, it's mm-hmm. disgusting. Um it's yeah, it's it's animalistic. She acts as sort of like a typhoid Mary or someone mm-hmm. because she mm-hmm. is like a carrier of this disease. Um, but she doesn't exhibit the traits of other people. Right. She just infects. And they can infect. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's ultimately what makes her like a compelling monster because she finally has to come to terms with it and she dies trying to, you know, save someone. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't talk about the special effects uh, for those who are infected, like those who are rabid. Um, I liked it. It's 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 a different take on a zombie. They just kind of look sick looking, but then they're foaming with this like green foam and like red around the eyes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool look. Yeah, yeah. Um, e- even for a Cronenberg movie, I felt like those effects were kind of tame. Yeah, like they 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 show uh like her armpit, you know, penis. But <laughs> they uh the only real like medical thing that's shown is the the like the skin. Like when he's actually doing skin like grafts, yeah. skin grafts. But it just looks like a piece of like I don't know provolone cheese or something. It's not it's, it's not Cronenberg. Scary. It's 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 kind of gross. But I'm but. For people who've seen other Cronenberg movies, like that's far tame. I feel like it for is. him, it's not like <laughs> it's not like pregnant cat lady in the brood. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, you still you you see him developing as a director in this movie. Um, so the things that we see here are going to be, you know. Um, played out in, with, you know, higher budgets, better special effects and everything yeah. um, in in later movies. But um, that that fear of of disease, of the human body, mm-hmm. I think is still clearly conveyed here. Mm-hmm. 
as a monster. And so, yeah, I, I still want to give it a point. Yeah. And I think, uh, other, other fears, so like fear of intimacy, fear of the other, fear yeah. of closeness, like, um, fear of being outcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. I think all of those come up. So I do, I do want to give it a point. Yeah. Great. Scare factor. So, um, that, I just, this is where I have a problem with it. I mean, there are scary moments, but I don't think there's enough all the way through. I think it's a good story. I've like through you, I've come to love Cronenberg, but I just don't feel like it has that same like through line of suspense. Um, it, it reads again, more like a, like a love story mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I got confused by the end on really what the, like the boyfriend guy is even doing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in some moments, you know what I mean? Like he seems to know a lot of things and then forget them in other moments. Mm. Like she, like when she calls him, yeah. which happens like at the very a few end. times. And at yeah. the very end, he's like, I got to get to her. And then when mm-hmm. he sees her, it's like that call didn't ever happen. I don't know. I, I just, got, I got lost. I got lost in that part. Mm. <clears throat> um, so that I ruined think the it, scare factor for me. I think it does. Uh, reward rewatching. Um, I watched it. I think uh, my last time was my third time, and that was when I had the commentary track on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I had a better sense of the relationship and the boyfriend because he does like kind of he's in and out of the movie. He doesn't leave much of an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love how at the end, um, you know, basically when he realizes that he's he's lost her, um, he breaks the phone apart. I think that's just mm-hmm. a great um, scene of just like primal hurt mm-hmm. and rage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think throughout the movie, I mean, the surgery scenes were disturbing um you know yeah the skin grafting uh grossed me out um there's a part where a finger's cut off do you remember it's a little fuzzy for me too but i wrote it in my notes <laughs> so it happens um and so there, there's some like oh physical... wait does she does she cut a finger off is it one of the doctors i think so yeah, uh, kind of fuzzy, but that sounds yeah. like Cronenberg. <laughs> um, and so I think like just, you know, being in a hospital, you know, seeing like a medical procedure, it's kind of it kind of reminded me of The Exorcist when that's like mm. one of the scariest, grossest parts was when she's in the hospital and blood spurting out and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that worked. Yeah. When it kind of um, when this virus sort of develops and, you know, there's the attack on the subway, there's um, the scene when um, Murray um, is checking his nursery to see what happened to his baby. Um, I think that I was, was so sense. confused by that, too. I thought for a second he was like the grandpa, but I think he's the dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, and, uh, he's a little see i think in early cronenberg movies i think characters are not always the most well-developed because yeah. it, it is kind of hard to tell 
who's who and he what's just, their relationship. He, and yeah, well, that. the yeah, and the kid, the first time the kid shows up, he's just on his lap and talking on the phone, like watching TV. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. He has a kid. I guess it'll come back later. So, yeah. Uh, so, I, I I can't give it a point for scare factor. Um, I, I, as, as much as I like it, mm-hmm. I just, it just wasn't there for me. Okay. I'm going to give it a point. Um, so that, so now it's five points. I think it should be an honorable mention. Yeah, you do. I I think, yeah, I think, I think honorable mention for sure. Um, cause I would put it up there with, with the Cronenberg that, that we've watched. I mean, I I would put it, I would put it in the mix. I would say, okay, so you like Videodrome and you'll really like this, or you like Shivers and you'll definitely like this. I still think there, there's something about it that makes it a little lesser than for me than yeah. the brood or oh, yeah. videodrome brood. yeah um i mean but videodrome's like one of my favorite movies of all time so that would be hard to top um but it's i would say it's still part of essential cronenberg absolutely um, yeah if you if you are interested in horror then i think Cronenberg's early career is is mandatory Mm -hmm. um and so even if it's not necessarily in the canon it's definitely worth checking out if you're ready to just explore um more body horror yeah and be really grossed out (laughs) and uncomfortable with sex vampires (laughs) armpit penises (laughs) All right, so we've got one in the canon, one in honorable mention. We're going to yes. move our way through the alphabet this summer. Yes, and so um, we're, we're going to do um, S and T next time. Um, S is for Scream. Uh, in summer. Which, yeah, which I think, is this our first Wes Craven movie? Don't know, but... Outside of any, like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street? We haven't done those movies. Oh my gosh, you're right. Well, okay, <laughs> maybe that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. It's, yeah, it's just oh, Wes Craven. We'll get there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought we did a Nightmare on Elm Street. I guess not. No, so I don't know if we've done him before, but you know, he's one of the you know great horror directors, and so um, we're starting with Scream, but the, you know that won't be where we finish with. We him. need to do to since we're done with Friday the Thirteenth, we just need to replace it with Nightmare on Elm Street. So when there's a Friday the Thirteenth, let's just do a Nightmare. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. and then um, T is for <laughs> toys, demonic ones. So I've uh, I'm just gonna make John watch it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I've never watched this movie before. I, I want to talk to somebody outside of my uh, brother about it. <laughs> it's one of those childhood favorites that was on the blockbuster shelf. Yeah. And the picture's just creepy. So we'll see what you think. Yeah. Um, we'll see if it holds up to, you know, if it's in the same um, the same uh, category as Scream. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no. <laughs> okay. I, I almost feel bad enough to, like, Say that I, I, I don't want you to pay for it. <laughs> but we'll, well we'll see. We'll, I don't know. We'll I might we'll be surprised. It's yeah. been easily twenty years since I've seen it. Yeah, maybe it holds up. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay. Stay hopeful. All right. Well, that's um, that's going to be it for this week then. 
Yep, and you can check out more episodes on unoiasolstice.com, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E. Um, we got more test prep coming from Stephen McClurg. Follow us at the underscore terror underscore test. And 